All right, last Bible message of the summer. Here we go. Raise your hand if you play football. If any of you play football, yes. Raise your hand if you think that your playbook is the hardest one to learn. You're like, oh my gosh, my coach had so many plays. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. So when I was in seventh and eighth grade, I played hockey, and then I quit. So ninth grade, when I went to high school, I could play football. And I will never forget the first day of practice. I ran out there. And I realized there was an issue in that I didn't know what any of the plays meant. And I'd never played before. Everyone else knew the plays, and I had no clue what they meant. So they started calling all these plays. And I was a receiver, and I will never forget this. They called this play. If you're at Highland Park, you'll know one day. It's called Roger 64 is what the play was. And I had no idea what it meant. I had no idea what it meant. Now, I soon learned that what that meant for my position is run five yards, try to catch it, and then get drilled in the face by a linebacker. So what I started to do, this is a little trick I learned if you don't want the ball like me, is I would run it really slow, kind of acting like I was hurt, because the quarterback's supposed to throw it within a certain amount of time, and he would have to throw it somewhere else, and he'd get in trouble, but it was great. So if you ever, if you know who the linebacker is, you can use that tactic. It worked very well. But I had no idea what I was doing this first time. So I line up in totally the wrong place, and the guy next to me who was one of my friends, he was just like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And they were trying to go fast. He's like, I don't know what the play is. And I was like, please be a run play. Please be a run play. Please be a run play. And, of course, it's the pass play that's supposed to go to me. So they say hut, and I just ran. I didn't even know where to go. So I just ran deep, and he just kind of threw it because it was the totally wrong play. And the coach was so angry. I'll never forget how mad that coach was at us. And I had to explain to him, look, I don't know what all this means. I have no idea what all this means at all. This is extremely complicated. And sometimes sports plays can be like that. You have no clue what it means. It sounds really confusing. But here's what's cool. Here's what's really interesting. A lot of us view the Bible the same way. When we look at the Bible, we go, it's as confusing as like a different language. Just like I was confused when I was playing football that first day. When we think about Christianity, we go, man, that book's confusing. I don't even know what it means. But here's what's really awesome. There's this guy in the Bible, he goes up to Jesus, and he asks him, he says, hey, if you could summarize this whole thing, what's the point of this entire thing? And this is what Jesus says. It's not something crazy complicated like that football play, but I had no idea what it meant. It's not something really, really confusing. This is what he says. The whole thing can be summed up in this. Love God and love others because God first loved you. He sent his son on the cross to die for you, and when you get that, you will want to love God and love others. That's it. It's that simple. Love God and love others because he first loved you. And oftentimes what Jesus would even do is he would take a really smart religious guy, really smart religious guy, and then he would pull a kid like your age. He'd grab him, put him up there, and he'd say, hey, you need to be more like this. You need to be more like this. You need to trust that it's as simple as loving God and loving others because he first loved you. It's that simple. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. If we really look at our lives, we really look at our lives, do we truly love God? Do we truly love God? I want to read you a few examples from the Bible of people who truly loved God. I want you to hear this real quick. So listen closely. These are a few things that people in the Bible said, people that truly loved God. They weren't perfect. They were messed up just like us. And then I'm going to ask you the question that has haunted me ever since I've moved back here back home and done ministry. This question has kept me up at night. This is a question I've thought about during the day. This is the question that motivates my job. It's the question I ask all the time, and it bothers me. So I want to ask you the question. Before I ask you the question, let me read you some quotes. These are guys in the Bible. They loved God. This is what it sounds like, all right? This is David. 
in Psalm 27. This is what he says. One thing I've asked of the Lord that I will seek after. One thing that I ask, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. This is what David's saying. David wasn't perfect. David was a huge sinner. But what he's saying is this. If there's one thing I want, the only thing I want is I want God. I want to be with God. That's what I want. He's more valuable than anything else. Not perfect. He was broken just like we are. But he said, the one thing I want is God. Here's another thing. This one's pretty cool. This is in Psalm 42. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for you. So picture a deer thirsty for water. What he's saying there is that's how I thirst for God. I want God. I want to know him. I want to be with him. I want to have a relationship with him. I want to think about him. I want to talk to him. I want to know his word. That's what this guy says. This one's really cool. This is in Habakkuk. We talked about this last summer. Habakkuk in chapter 1 has doubted God. He's asking him all these hard questions. I don't know if you've ever been there. You're like, this doesn't make sense. Habakkuk didn't know everything. He struggled just like we do. He had some hard things happen to him and didn't know why they happened. This is what he says, though. He says, though the fig tree doesn't blossom, still I will rejoice in God. And this is what he's saying. Even though my life's really hard, I'm still going to rejoice in God because God is better than anything else. That's pretty awesome. And here's the last one. This is Paul in Philippians. This is what he says. I count everything as loss compared to the worth of knowing Jesus Christ. I count everything else as loss. The word he says there is rubbish. That's what he says there. That's what he says. I count everything else. It's like garbage. It's trash compared to knowing Jesus Christ. So here's what's really interesting. Now, I really want you to think about this tonight. These people in the Bible just had this desire to know God, to love him, to be with him, to learn more about him. Did y'all hear that in there? He, they just had this desire. And here's the question that has bothered me all the time is why don't we? Like, why don't we feel that same desire? Where we live today, we're not hearing a lot of people say things like that, are we? One thing I seek is to be with God. That's what it sounds like to love God. So why don't we? Why is that not there in our lives? Because I want to be a guy like that. I want to be a guy like that that says no matter what happens, God is enough. I want to be a guy like that that says God's better than everything else. Anything else compared to knowing him is nothing. I'd rather know him. It's so much more worth it. But I really want you to think about, is that you tonight? Is that you? Because I think that mentality where we live today is extremely rare. I don't think that a lot of us, even those of us that go to church and all that, have that feeling about God that I would do anything to follow you. I just want you. You're enough. I just want to know you and follow you and delight in you. And I want to try to answer the question. That's the question. I ask it all the time. And here's what I think one of the answers is. Here's your memory verse. Now, this is in Psalm 119. This is a prayer from Psalms. If you've memorized this, this is one of my favorite verses. I've prayed it for you guys and myself probably a million times. I do this all the time. This is the first part. Check out the screen. This is what it says. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. Turn my eyes from that. I don't want to look at it because this is what he's saying. Compared to God, there's a lot of worthless stuff out there. So I want you to help me out here. Raise your hand if you have an example of something compared to God it's worthless. Like it might be cool and the world might say it's awesome, but compared to how valuable and awesome God is, it's worthless. Yeah. Money. Absolutely. Money is a huge one. Money is a huge one. Compared to God, 
It's a worthless thing. We can give our lives thinking that the more money we have, the cooler stuff we have, cooler vacations we go on, that's going to make us happy. And what he's saying here is compared to God, that stuff's worthless. Yeah, go for it. Gaming device. Little Pokemon Go, right? Yes. So fun times. Not necessarily a bad thing. Not necessarily a bad thing. It's fun to play Pokemon Go. Fun to play on the Xbox. Fun to play Xbox Live and talk trash to people that live in Montana. It's a blast. But compared to knowing God, it's worthless. That's how much better God is. Yeah, give me a couple more. Go for it. Shoes, right? A lot of us like the new cool shoes, new cool stuff. Absolutely. Compared to knowing God, though, it's worthless. Yeah, Andrew? Phones. Cool devices. Cool devices. Yeah, Quaid? Sports. That's one I was waiting for. So sports. I love sports. Sports are a great thing. But here's one of the things that I've learned growing up here, being here, is a lot of times you can believe that if I'm not good at a sport, then I'm not worth anything. And you can give your whole life for a sport and in the end realize that compared to God, man, I gave everything to that and I didn't give anything to God and it was worthless. Yeah, one more. Layton, go for it. Competition. Being better than other people, right? Being better than other people. If there's one lie where we live, it's that you've got to be better than other people at something. You've got to prove yourself better. Davis, you're dying. Give me one more. So video games, which that's a tough one, Davis, because that's a great game, but it is true. I will give you that. Compared to knowing God, it's worthless. This is what I want to do. This is what I want you to think about. I want you to close your eyes. We're going to have a little time of prayer. This is what it looks like to let the Word of God really affect you. And I've got about 10 minutes left, 5 to 10, and then we'll play again. This is what it really looks like to let the Word affect you. Not to just read it, but to really let it hit you. So this is what I want you to think about. Just in your head... I want you to pray that the Lord would show you what are the things that compared to him are worthless that you really care about. I want you to think about those things. Maybe it's what people think of you. Maybe it's friends. When you get a little bit older, you need to hear this now. It's thinking that a girlfriend is what you need. Maybe it's that. You can fill in whatever it is for you guys. I want you to think about what are those things that are worthless. Because here's what our world will do. And here's the lie that the enemy is going to try to tell you. Don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. Don't go tell someone. Don't go tell someone that you're struggling with caring about a worthless thing. Don't go tell someone that. The best thing you can do tonight is to be honest about it. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to pray to God right now. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to confess to him some of the worthless things that you're pursuing compared to knowing him. And I want you to ask him to help maybe show you what those things are if you don't know what they are. And then I'd encourage you to talk to someone about them. So I just want to give you a second to do that. All right. Now look back up again. Here's the next part of the verse. It doesn't leave us there. This is what he says. Check this out. He says, turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life in your ways. Whose ways is that talking about? It's talking about God. He's saying that your ways are the ways of life. Your ways are the ways of joy. Here's what that means. Here's what that means. Have you ever tasted something when you're young, like there's a kind of food that you don't like, and then you get a little bit older, and all of a sudden you eat it, and you're like, man, I think I like that now. Have any of you had that happen? That happened to me with avocados. I used to hate avocados. thought they were gross. I thought they were just horrible. I wanted to vomit when I saw them. I didn't understand the green thing. I thought it was terrible. And now I love avocados. I could eat avocados all the time. I don't know what happened. My taste buds changed. So somehow over the years, my taste buds changed, and I love avocados now. I would marry them if I could. They're an amazing thing. But here's what's interesting. Here's what he's saying here. 
is when we are in his word, we're learning about God's ways. This is what happens. This is what happens. It's like your taste buds change, but not for stuff that you think tastes good, for stuff that you care about, and for stuff that you love. The more you're in the word and you're really letting it affect you, it will cause you to love God more than anything else, just like your taste buds change. Over time, you will start to care more about God than those worthless things. That's one of the reasons he gives us his word. It changes the thing that we love the most. See, because here's what our world's going to tell you. It's going to tell you, do whatever you possibly can to be happy. Do whatever you possibly can to be happy. Do whatever you possibly can. So don't follow God. Do what other people think are cool. Whatever makes you happy. But this is what this verse is saying. This is what it's saying. If you try to go find happiness on your own, Instead of righteousness, you're never going to find it. You won't find either. But if you seek righteousness instead of happiness, in the end, you're going to get both. That's what it's telling you. That's amazing. You seek happiness over righteousness, in the end, you'll get neither. But if you seek righteousness over happiness, in the end, you'll get both. That's what he's telling you. God's way leads to joy. That's an amazing promise. So how do we do that? I want to make a challenge to you. This is something that I've been doing, and I want to challenge you to do it too. It's, I stole it from one of my friends in Houston, and this is what he says. It's called Take Back the Morning. And this is what I want to challenge you to do, is every single morning when you wake up, make it your goal to start by spending time with God in his word, and then praying about whatever you're reading. It's that simple. I challenged one of my good friends from high school um, a few weeks ago to do this, and he was kind of weak in his faith at the time, and he would tell you that. And he said it has totally changed his life in a week. I'm not saying that's going to happen for you, but there is something about starting your morning with the Lord that will change things in your life. Take back the morning. So I'm going to give you two options. We're giving out these newsletters where we're giving you a plan every day. You can just read the verses. You can take back the morning by filling your mind with the word. And this is something I do for some of my older guys. Sometimes they'll ask for this. Is They'll say, Will, can you text us what you're reading and then tell me a little bit about what stood out to you? So I don't do that every day, but every now and then if I read something, I'm like, that's good. I'll send them the verse, and I'll say, here's some of my takeaways. What do y'all think? If that helps you, I'll do that for as many people in the room that possibly want it. You could tell me that as well afterwards, and we will gladly do that. It's a great way to take back the morning. So I will do whatever I can to take away any excuse to not do that. This is the prayer that I say every morning when I read the Bible. I've been doing this all summer, and it has had huge impacts on me. This is the prayer that I say every day, and we put it in your newsletter. God, help me treasure and trust you more than anything else today. Help me treasure, that means care more about you, and trust in you more than anything else today. And that's our challenge is to seek to love, trust, and treasure him more than anything else today. When we make our decisions, to not make decisions based on what's right and wrong, but to make decisions on where we think we're going to be closer to Jesus because of it. That's what these guys in the Bible did. So I want to end with one thing, and then Tripp's going to come up here and kind of tell you real quickly how this applied to his life. And we're ahead of schedule tonight. So you're welcome. I want to end with one thing here, though, is this. Is when you look at the cross... When you look at the cross, you see what Jesus did for you. His love for you, that's going to challenge you to want to love God. That's going to challenge you to want to treasure him and value him and become like one of these people. I want to end with this, all right? I want to tell you about James Smith, and then we'll be done, all right? This is James Smith. I'm going to read you some things about him real quick. James Smith graduated from Waltrip High School in 1967. 
From there, he went to Sam Houston State University. Go Bearcats, Harv. There you go. He got his degree, had a great career, has been married to Sherry for over 30 years. Pretty awesome. He has two children that are also married. He's got a son named Jeremy. He has a daughter named Tiffany. He doesn't like the current guy in office. We'll just leave it at that. He's not a fan of Obama. He has a John Deere tractor, and he's really proud that he mows his own lawn. Extremely proud of it. And he is crown of his life. Like The thing he loves more than anything are his grandchildren. Absolutely loves his grandchildren. Would do anything for them. He's all in. And then he has a dog named Oliver. It's a 36-pound golden doodle. And she's insane. Her name's Oliver. So there you go. Now here's what's interesting. I just read you a bunch of facts about James Smith. And I have a confession to tell you. I have no idea who he is. I have no clue. Like if you were to walk in the room right now, I would recognize him. But I would not know him at all. Would have no relationship with him whatsoever. Here's what I did. I literally went on Facebook searched for one of the most common names in the country, James Smith, and I just stalked him on Facebook, like Instagram. I looked at his pictures, looked at things he posted, and I just wrote down things that I observed. I have no idea who he is. If he's listening to this, that'd be creepy, but I, I have no idea who he is. Here's what's interesting. I know about him, right? I just read you a ton of facts. I have no relationship with him whatsoever. No relationship. No relationship. And I want to challenge us tonight to think about, does that describe your relationship with Jesus also? Do you know a lot of facts about him, but not truly know him? Tonight's the night to invite you to know the God that created you through Jesus Christ and what he did. Not just know facts, but truly be a person that knows him and loves him. That's the answer to the question. 